Hey, 180 in Southeast Ohio crew. We're coming to you live from our individual stay-at-home locations. Uh, That's right. And I are here. So this, I'm Christy Spader, a team leader with crew here in Southeast Ohio. Chad, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Chad Helmer. I'm here at my home. Um, and uh, we're, we're both uh, under self-quarantine, right? This is the sort of uh, stay-at-home order from the governor. And so uh, we would have very much liked to have recorded this in the same space, but here we are. Yeah, but we're we're in Athens, so we are in the same location. Um, wishing that we could be here with so many of you guys. Uh, I think it's just killing us knowing that it's Thursday night. We should be anticipating what is uh, the one uh, one eighty, um, but here we are sitting in our houses in our respective locations. Uh, divided by a screen. So we're sad and we miss all of you and wish you were here with us. But this is our second uh, best option. We'll say we are, um, as you may have heard, and as you're tuning in, you probably know this by now, but we are kicking it with the king as this series is called. We're looking at the songs and we're kind of following along with um, the 2016 Linger Conference and a few different speakers that have uh, some of the student leaders have chosen for us and really what we're doing today is we got a chance hopefully you've already gotten a chance to watch Eric Mason's sermon um, on Psalm 23 but we got to listen to it and so Chad and I wanted to take some time and kind of address a few of the questions that a uh, few of the student leaders uh, had for us and for you guys and for us and just kind of dialogue about this message. Yeah, it was uh, it was incredible. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, even if even if you're listening to us and you haven't heard it yet, it's worth going back and listening to it. It's on YouTube. Even if you don't have much time, you can listen to it at 1.5 or whatever that option is to speed it up. But um, absolutely incredible message yeah. where Eric Mason coming out of uh, Psalm 23, perhaps the most famous psalm. People who don't go to church, people who um, do not have a relationship with the Lord, uh, even if they don't, they might know Psalm 23. It's so embedded in our history. Um, you're, you often hear it repeated at funerals. Um, and often it's shared, even Governor DeWine tweeted it out uh, just about a week ago um, as a reminder. That, no way, he did. Yes, that's right, <laughs> awesome. he did. So, um, <laughs> way to go, and, that's right. So he, he to the word, even he wants us to linger. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So he, it's one of those passages that people turn to in really difficult and even really unique times like we're in right now. Yeah. And so, so I'll just quickly uh, summarize some of what Eric shared in his sermon. And then um, Christy, you can help me fill in all the things I probably miss here. Um, but he talked about how we have such a longing for autonomy, that we want to reject authority. But what part of what we find in Psalm 23 is um, King David, and that's important, King David, a man who's a king, um, not bossing up, but bossing down, um, really submitting himself under the authority of, of a shepherd and being reminded that God is his shepherd. And so this is, this is a picture in Psalm 23 of a leader who's being led, he says, and he just walks through four points. And the last two, he even breezed through very quickly. I think he was short on time. But the first point, he talks about how the Lord provides relationship. And he reflects on this covenant relationship that we have that's unique. In some ways, it, it, it's, uh, it's not unique in that God has this relationship with people who enter into covenant with him. But yet at the same time, it's personalized. He says it's a personalized relationship with the Lord as he shepherds not just his people, but he also shepherds me as an individual sheep. 
And so, so we talked about uh, the Lord providing relationship, but then he also talked about the Lord providing replenishment and rest and talked about pausing and taking advantage of the rest that God provides. And I really connected with this part of the sermon because he talked about how we just have a hunger for noise. We have these voracious appetites. What was the phrase he said um, you mentioned earlier? Yeah, he, he used the metaphor, metaphor of uh, we're like toddlers on steroids. We always want on-the-go workouts, on-the-go TV, on-the-go food, just constantly mm-hmm. moving and active and wanting more, more, more. Yeah, so this this hyperactive picture of just being um, insatiable. And so, uh, but he talks about it's just sitting and lingering with God, that he leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our soul, just sitting with him. And the result is that we really are restored. The result is that um, God uh, God's God works through me, that the shepherd works through me. Um, and he talks about leading us in paths of righteousness rather than, than the dysfunction that we're so prone toward. Um, mm-hmm. And so then uh, the third point, he talked about how the Lord provides reassurance. Uh, and this is, this is the imagery I think that people that draw people to this Psalm so often is it's, it's the imagery of the Valley of the shadow of death that even uh, even in these dark and challenging circumstances that people find themselves in, that God is with us. Uh, he shepherds us even in the midst of that. And then the fourth point he briefly just passed over is that the Lord provides recompense. Uh, and he talked about how goodness and mercy stalk us. And I love that imagery that That's God cool. chases after me. Uh, that he he wants he he wants. It's not just me pursuing God. It's not that I pursue God, but from the very beginning, God has been one who's pursued me. Even and that so, I love I loved of like uh, the ver- like chase. It's not just yeah. he's like walking after me or like looking for me. He's like no, he's chasing. He's running. Mm-hmm. I loved that. It was a good message. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's a that's a quick summary of just his four points, but it was so rich in illustration, so rich in application, and um, you know those of you who are watching, you'll find um, we're following the discussion questions that are posted right at crudeou.org um, under the Eric Mason sermon there and upcoming events, and so you can find that on the event calendar. You can find these discussion questions, but um, but we're going to take a few minutes and talk about what we learned and what we took away from the sermon and. Um, anything that maybe stood out to us. And we hope you guys are getting a chance to kind of engage other people about it. Maybe people in your Bible study or your action groups, or um, even in times if you're connecting with a discipler during this season, like this is a great, these are great things to talk about. This sermon was awesome. So I uh, really highly recommend. It feels so, I was listening to it and I was just sitting, I was bored and uh, just was sitting and thinking how, how prevalent and relevant this is for our present circumstances and and where we are right now like the big idea just take time and be with god um this really significant theme for us to be thinking about so um maybe from that we can hop into the questions you good with that yeah Yeah, let's do it okay so question number one was uh what are things that take away from your time with the lord yeah, I mean, as I, I thought about this, I had some that jumped out at me right away. And um, normally, I mean, I, ha- I have a pretty established routine of spending time with the Lord each morning. 
Um, and there are some days where that does feel really easy. It just feels part of my routine where I sit down and just spend time with it. But there are also times where, it, where I feel the pull. I feel the, the gravity, you know, sort of pulling me away from that. And it's usually, it's usually the same two culprits. It's usually, it's usually the news. Um, I, uh, I'm, sometimes I think I have an unhealthy addiction to the news. I'm just always interested in current events. It's often global news. Sometimes it's local news here in Athens. Um, often it's uh, economic news. And of course, with all of this, um, the information that's coming out just, you know, hourly about the coronavirus, I, I wake up and I think, oh my goodness, I wonder, I wonder what's new today. And so, um, which really, really, uh, I mean, I think about the language that Eric used of, you know, this insatiable or voracious appetite that we have. And I just think it, it's a sad distraction because it's such, it, it's such an insufficient um, nourish. It's such insufficient nourishment for my soul. It's just not going to give me what I need for the day, but yet there's something dysfunctional that I wake up craving it sometimes. And then I think the other thing that I think, um, and maybe people have different opinions about this, but I, uh, I just often feel the distraction of wanting to read other books, um, not necessarily in substitute for, but other books beside my Bible that then inevitably put my Bible at the end of the line of things I want to read that day that then maybe I don't get to. So it's more about a prioritization uh, issue, but I I find myself distracted by other things I want to read. So um, so yeah, they're, they're pretty common temptations that pull me away from my normal routine with the Lord. But what about you? Yeah, that's good. I, I definitely relate. I have been using this phrase a lot. Um, uh, we've been using it in our house, I would say, Emily and I. Uh, inertia was very significant for us. Just the inertia of that gravitational pull like you were talking about. The, the desire to just lay in my bed just a little bit longer in the morning uh, ends up where I'm no longer have time to spend time with the Lord when I wake up. Or as I'm going to bed and still haven't spent time with the Lord, that usually it's my bed. Uh, that really pulls <laughs> me away. Um, but other comforts I think about like just the, uh, my to- to-do list, the immediate and the present grab my attention. So I like see a friend calling on the phone that I like haven't talked to in a while or text messages of like, Hey, can you do this for me real quick? Or, hey, what do you think about this? And immediately, even during the sermon, it was, it was so sad. And the whole sermon about lingering and I would get a text message and I'd turn my and distract myself. And I'd like, I missed a whole question because I was so distracted by my phone, even while we were watching the sermon. So it just felt, it feels like what things take away. Oh, my phone, my ever non, uh, not going away to-do list and um, the present things in my life, people that I like want to care for um, and my bed really so sleeping that's um, great yeah yeah Yeah. it's true I think I'd probably be more tempted to sleep in if I didn't have a toddler uh, yes who was was up early each morning yeah yeah maybe hop in for number two see what yeah okay let's um, go back to it so this one says during times of uncertainty which feels really relevant for where we're at where do you see opportunities to lay down and greet green pastures with God yeah, I th- this is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, 
my general impression, and I know it's not true for everyone, but my general impression is that because of the stay-at-home order, because of this thing, this new reality that we're living in in light of the coronavirus, that people tend to have more time on their hands. <laughs> and um, I'm sure it's not true for everyone, but but I think one of the dangers of that is that uh, then we have this these amorphous kind of blocks of time that aren't structured or aren't scheduled. And I think it can be easy to then have no structure or no schedule at all. But, but I think there's, there's such an incredible opportunity to create structure in a way where we actually get to spend more time with the Lord because of this. And here's what it reminds me of. Um, you'll relate to this more than most because you've been to Israel more often than I have. Um, but, uh, but I remember being in Israel on the Sabbath, on the Shabbat, and, um, and uh, did something that was so, uh, in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it. But culturally, I, my wife and I, we were there. Um, we did not have any, anything to eat. Uh, we were living in an Airbnb, but we didn't, hadn't bought groceries. And so we were out on the Shabbat looking for an open restaurant. Now, here's what's incredible, is that the entire city of Jerusalem, you know this, <laughs> shuts down and it looks a lot like Athens does right now. In fact, it's, in fact, it's more shut down than Athens is right now. Um, and we, we looked forever to find, uh, we finally did find an open restaurant and, um, and it, a funny story actually, because as we were eating there, some ultra Orthodox Jews came through and shamed all of us for eating and, and having a, a restaurant open on the Shabbat. But I think about it. I think about the Sabbath, um, in that kind of Sabbath observance that there's a moment where there's actually a structured rest. It's a planned, scheduled, structured rest where the whole city shuts down um, in, in ways that are deferential to God and who he is and the way he's created the universe. And I, and I love that. And so, um, so it's almost as though we're enduring this national or at least a statewide Sabbath at the moment. And I think whether we use it for structured time to connect with the Lord and to worship him, or whether we just sort of treat it like this amorphous, um, you know, unstructured blob that we don't really get to do anything with, I think is going to make a big difference. So I think there's a huge opportunity here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, my word, I've been kind of coming up with like word to define this season. Um, and it's simplicity, but then my second one is rhythm. And okay. I think for me, it's been having, there is a little bit more time and space in my schedule because of this and how am I creating actively intentionally creating rhythms that are going to point me towards Christ as opposed to lead me away from Christ. And the reality is I feel like we're all at this crossroads of like, we have to be intentional about creating those rhythms to point us to Christ. If we want to go that direction, otherwise inertia is a very real thing. And I think it's more than just house or the me and Emily in, in this space that struggle with inertia. Um, I think the world and the countless distractions pull us away. Um, but I think there is opportunity in, in lingering a bit longer with the Lord. Um, I think another thing me that's really stood out, I, I loved that the, the initial part of this question said during times of uncertainty. And I just... I just feel the uncertainty around us right now. I feel it in terms of like the health, the health of my parents, the health of my friends. I found out a friend might have, might have it out in Oregon and, um, and it's causes 
causes some anxiety and uncertainty, even in my own inner world. I think about financially, some of the reality I wanted was entertaining buying a house someday. And so what does this mean for that? Or my job or you know, just all of the, the countless unknowns of the future, I think weigh on me in times like this. And so even where do I see opportunity with this? Well, I think when I go and I linger with the Lord, when I spend time with him, and create some of those rhythms, I think it's a really sweet, there's opportunities for the Lord to remind me of his character and his faithfulness and um, for me to for me to lie down in green pastures and him to kind of cover me with his character and in, in a beautiful way um, to really reassure me with who he is. And so I think for me, there's an opportunity to trust God and opportunity for me to get a glimpse of who he is through this um, as I lie down in green pastures with him. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so true that there's something about our resting, I think, that reveals God's shepherd-like nature. You know what I mean? That um, when we don't take advantage of the rest, when we don't take advantage of what he provides, we miss the blessing of it, obviously. But we also miss something of who God is, uh, is what I hear you saying, when we don't do that. So I think that's um, yeah, we're constantly looking around, which kind of goes into our next question. Yeah. We're looking around in the midst of uncertainty for things to help uh, fill us or solve the problems or engage what's going on. In me. And so we do these other things instead of as we lie down him, um, mm-hmm. as, as he leads us to lie green pastures, we get a glimpse of who he is. Um, that kind of transitions us into this next question. So let's, uh, Eric Mason actually give this really good illustration about when you, uh, taking your car to the place. Do you want to describe what that was? for Yeah, us? it was such a great story. I mean, he, story he talks like about that. how a, uh, a friend of, you know, he needed some work done on his car. And this was a time when financially things were really lean for he and his wife. Uh, yeah. Financially, they just he didn't accentuated have money. that leaner he than was it, like baloney or leaner. Filet mignon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have any fat to spare. Yeah, they had. They had no fat to spare, so they had no extra money. So they did the cheap option, and they uh, and a friend said, "Hey, oh, your car needs some work. Let's take it to the guy down. You know, I, I know a guy. You could take it to him." And he took it to this guy and charged him a hundred bucks, but absolutely destroyed his car. I mean, uh, made matters far worse to the point he finally did have to break down and take it to the dealer. You know, that expensive place that you don't normally want to go. Uh, yeah. because you know they're going to charge you a lot more money. And he said, we didn't have the money to take it to the dealer. But he, but he highlighted the way that by taking his car to the wrong place, it actually made things worse. And, and the punchline that I thought was so good was, um, you know, why do you take your soul elsewhere than the manufacturer? Why wouldn't you take your soul to the manufacturer of your soul? You know the difference. Uh, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's talking, talking about the difference between um, where you take your soul. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which which really stings. And I think, you know, you can answer this question at some really, some really different levels because really the discussion question is, um, when have you taken your soul somewhere other than God and what was the result? So you want to take that one first or I could take Um, it? Um, sure. I can, I can hop in. Um, yeah, I can think of a lot of different times. And so there's layers of vulnerability here in this. So I'm going to, I'm going to dive in deep for us. Uh, but I particularly times really stand out to me when I remember looking back on my, my life, um, 
where I just definitely found myself, uh, my soul was a wire and I took it elsewhere. Um, and so I remember, I mean, I can think about high school, a lot of times uh, when I would be lonely or sad, instead of spending time and turning to the Lord, I, I turned to relationships and I turned to both friendships for affirmation of who I was and that I belonged or that I fit in. I turned to um, alcohol to fit in and to feel like my identity was secure. But I also turned even, even I remember at different points in my life, like when I would feel sad at night, I'd like text a couple of guy friends and be like, what are you doing? And kind of flirt. And was very much um I was looking for something from those people that my soul was hungry for and really what it needed was the Lord to remind me who I was and my identity but I chose to find it in this world and people um, and I mean that carried on I think in college and um there is this probably one of the most significant points in my life, um, really defining moment for me where I felt like I was at a crossroad of just deciding, um, and I had a really poor decision and the Lord really used it in my life. And so I remember I was a sophomore in college and I had been given a take and take home exam and it was 50% of my grade. Um, and I wanted to do well in this class, this desire for success and achievement. And, um, and I had studied really hard and I still felt like I was not doing well. And, and so I remember sitting at, sitting in my dorm room and I saw the book right next to me of where I could open it up and I knew what page is on. I could almost visualize where it was, uh, where the answers were that I was looking for. And I made the decision. Uh, to cheat on that exam, 50% on a grade. Um, and I remember for the next, it just ate me alive, that my integrity was compromised, that I had um, gone again, gone somewhere else uh, for what I was looking for, and it left me. And the, the question asked about, like, how do you, what was the result? Left me miserable. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been yeah. so miserable in my life. I had dreams about that. Test. I had, I couldn't, I would, we had chapel at the school I went to and I like couldn't sing to God. I like felt conviction in my heart that I just, uh, it was going to potentially cost 50% of my needed class that I would fit class potentially um keep me back an entire year of school because of requisites um and I had to make a decision whether I would be willing to go to the professor or not and um I just couldn't deal with it I like felt Lord saying you need to be honest about this and so I ended up um knocking on that professor's door and he opened up just wept in front of him um by God's grace he was incredibly gracious I didn't I knew I wasn't entitled to that but I got to experience a lot of God's grace through that, but saw myself really at a choice and I turned, my soul went the wrong direction and, but got to experience how, um, in honesty and integrity, even when it's hard and even when I messed up is, is always the right decision. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that one yeah. um, with Set me and with, with YouTube. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, what I had written down as I was thinking about it wasn't uh, wasn't nearly that vulnerable or profound. Uh, but I was just aware of all the things during the day that I um, that I think I turned to for life rather than the manufacturer. You know what I mean? Rather than, and I think um, it's you know you've talked about this. I feel like I've learned a lot from you about this. Talking about drift 
and um, say that one more I, time. Uh, yes, a drift. This idea of the way we just we just sort of drift away from God. Yeah, totally. it, it, it just happens, and it happens throughout my day. And so, yeah, um, so, so I don't have anything as as uh, deep or profound. But I was thinking about the the distractions in my day. Really, they're distractions, but I think they're going to give me life. It's the things that. Um, it's it's checking my Twitter feed. It's checking the news. It's checking the stock market. Um, you know, it's it's these sorts of things that I look to that I'm I'm hoping for. You know, um, psychologists have talked about the way uh, you know social media does this. We want that drip 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 of dopamine, just that little that little injection of oh oh that's exciting or oh that's fun. Sometimes it's shopping for something, a deal or something I'm looking for. Um, and those things aren't necessarily bad in themselves, but I just find that I go to them for life. I'm some, I'm somehow in my dysfunction, I've been wired to look to them to give me something that they're not going to give me. And the result is that I always, I always feel either more tired, not rested, or I feel um, more dysfunctional, um, or, I, or I don't feel restored in my soul. You know, so much of this is about, you know, um, being restored uh, in our soul and turning to the manufacturer, turning to the shepherd of our soul. And they just don't, um, they're fun. They're distractions, you know, they're games, all sorts of things like that. They're distractions, but, um, but they don't leave me feeling restored. They don't leave me feeling refreshed. Um, mm -hmm. Often I feel even more drained uh, than before. Yeah. So. Yeah. It goes to show there's, there's really pivotal moments and decisions that we make to turn mm -hmm. actively towards things in one way or another I think about mm -hmm. like bigger decisions we can make about what do we what are we going to uh, do with that our relationship you know, in terms of purity or how do we um spend my time or a decision to cheat or not cheat I'm saying, but mm -hmm. then there's also the day-to-day -day drifting that of our soul that can happen and it's a, usually a, a lot more gradual person uh gradual increase or mm -hmm. gradual uh uh, turning away, but it's no less significant where our soul is turning to things. Yeah. The man, true manufacturer, what we actually need. That's really good. I feel like if we had more time, you and I could spend some time talking about um, how our hearts uh, are wired to love and, yes, and we, how we are what we love. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah. But I know we don't have time uh, to go so into good. that. Right it's now. so good. It's so good. We can keep going. Um, um, Awesome. Well, let's, let's hit the, this last question, uh, if you're up for it. Um, so this last question is, when have you found, uh oh, hold on. When have you found God comforting you with his staff? So we talked about his rod and his staff, they comfort you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even he gave some illustrations, actually, do you want to describe what those were about, um, or just how we talked about sheep and what uh, the rod staff actually do for the sheep. Yeah, let's tag team it because the one that the one that I was a little more uh, tuned into was you know the way that the way that the shepherd wants to kind of keep us on the path of righteousness in mm -hmm. that that sort of prodding or poking um, that sends us uh, in one direction or another so that we don't veer off of the path of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think part of what was helpful this rod that's keeping them uh, along this path. Yes. Yes. And um, I think for me, I, uh, the thing that stood out about what he said, and I don't know that this is a great answer to the question, but it, it just gave me pause. And I started to think about it that uh, Eric said, you don't know how much, uh, sometimes you're prone to think about what God has allowed to happen 
in your life, but you don't realize how much he's spared you from. You don't understand how his, how his rod and his correction of you has spared you from the kinds of things that would happen if you deviated from the path of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so sometimes you think about, well, what, you know, um, we, we just don't know. We just don't know what else could have been had God not corrected us or pointed us in a particular direction. And I could think of all kinds of times when I, you know, I prayed for something and didn't get what I wanted, or there was a time where I was really hoping for something and it didn't turn out. Um, I can think about we're just frust- other other things that have happened, other people's decisions, and I've been impacted by them, and it's felt unfair and wrong and difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I don't, even in that, I don't know what God was sparing me from as I've been sort of prodded, uh, you know, into the path of righteousness. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I I really liked. He talked a lot about um, the. I mean, uh, gave a quote that there or talked about how. in the valley of the shadow of death. So this place where, uh, places where we can't see or the sheep can't see that this is where the rotten staff comfort you and, or comfort me. Um, and so just thinking about, he even talked about how sheep can't see. And so he kind of taps them to let them, reminds them of his protection and his whereabouts. Um, it really made me think of C.S. Lewis when he talks about, there's a, there's a place in Scrooge letters where, um, he talks about God's presence is always with us, but every once in a while he turns ever slightly towards us so that we can, and we just feel this overwhelming sense of his presence with us and protecting us and caring. And then every once in a while he turns. Now, I don't think this is necessarily true about how God's interacting with us. So don't be saying that, but there's moments where he ever so slightly turns away and it, it just feels like light years of difference. And yet he's always there protecting us and guiding us along the way. Um, and so when have I felt those times? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's daily decisions that I've made. It's um, sparing me from, I think there's been moments where I've started to veer down different paths and he's used people in my life to, to point me back to himself. I think about men and women, he's friendships that he's allowed my life to point out uh, sin in my life that have allowed me to experience his comfort or his rod. Um, in gracious ways. And even there's been moments when, like I think about uh, that exam, you know, where I experienced that teacher showed me that God's rod of correction. And, um, but I got to experience the grace of sometimes discipline that hurts and is painful mm-hmm. discipline. It's actually his, it's so comforting because it's helped me, kept me on the paths of righteousness with, which ultimately we know brings the joy in our walk with the Lord, that when we walk righteously and obediently with him, it, it's the path of the greatest life of, of uh, he leads us, um, for, for his name's sake and for his glory, uh, but our joy as well in his presence. And so I think about things like that. Anything you'd add or? That no, mean? I think that's great. And especially, I mean, thinking about the shepherd in light of what we know about God's presence, I think it's a great way to think about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're out of time. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, maybe just to summarize, I wrote yeah. down at chapter th- or uh, minute 31. I loved it. He like this beautiful summary and I wrote it down. So I was like, oh, let's this- hear it. He talks about when we don't kick the shepherd, um, we'll, uh, we'll stay dysfunctional. And when dysfunctional, we make dumb decisions and we go stupid places. He says it so much mm-hmm. more profoundly than I do. Um, uh, when we spend time with the shepherd, we're allowed by 
for the shepherd to nourish us, to feed us, to strengthen us, to give us his grace and protect us. And then we begin to see things differently and he restores our soul. And in that, um, when we're out on, it leads us on paths of righteousness and we're able to discern good and evil. And this all comes from being with him. And so his whole, his whole uh, summary of this was, why do we sometimes make bad decisions? Because he, he leads us to say, we, we want to linger with him. We want to spend time with the Lord, that he's truly bringing us to the paths of righteousness and his presence. The psalmist enjoys being with God. And that's what matters most. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. A fitting way to end. And so, um, so we'll be doing this each week for 180. Uh, you can find uh, next week's sermon online at crew at ou.org and just scroll down to where it says upcoming events and you'll see uh, that we'll also have this uh, posted there um, in previous weeks posted on the event calendar. You can go back, listen to those sermons, look at those discussion questions. And we'll have this on our podcast as well. And so we are grateful that you joined us. Um, wish we could be together under other circumstances, but for the time being, uh, we'll be here and uh, be meeting with you this way. And um, we'll be praying for you, hoping that you linger with the Lord, hoping that you uh, experience him as your shepherd during this time. So thanks for joining us. Anything you want to add, Christy? Nope, that's it. We'll see you later, 180. All right, bye 180.